Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View. Hope you're having a great day. This is the show that celebrates every single day the men and women who are working so hard to make Coastal Mississippi such a wonderful place to live, work, and play. I want to thank you for listening to us on 103.1, or you may be listening on your favorite podcast or of course, you can listen at the uh, Super Talk Gulf Coast Facebook page or the Super Talk Mississippi Facebook page or our YouTube channel. There's so many different ways to uh, to see this show. You can actually go to the uh, supertalk.fm website and go to shows and look at Ricky Matthews. And you can listen live. You can hit the Super Talk TV button and watch it on C- Super Talk TV. But, uh, you know, the digital awareness of this company is very significant. So we want to be there however, wherever, and whenever you want to uh, you watch a show. Hey, do you remember the singer Gloria Gaynor? Um, she wrote that song, I Will Survive. For those of us back in the disco days, you'll know that extremely well. But she said something that I think fits to, you know, a message we have here on the show pretty regularly. But here's what she said. Self-esteem comes from what you think of you not what other people think of you. I think too often we're too focused on what other people think. And when we think so much about what other people think, we sort of lose our identity. And I think, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all the the social media world that we live in today, it has a way of sort of, you know, graying the world as it relates to how we view ourselves. And I think sometimes we just need to sit in quiet moments with ourselves and read positive thoughts, listen to shows like like Coast View that are designed to help you see the good in people and in our community and uh, in yourself and see the good in yourself. The, uh, you know what's interesting? So many of the leaders that come on this show, what we learn about them is that they're humble. They're humble. Some of them you've never even heard of before, but they're doing incredible things in the community because they want to give back. But, you know, they've all gone through trials and tribulations in their lives, and they've come out on the other side, and they feel positive about their contributions and about their community and about the world around them. And so I think they know really well that self-esteem comes from within themselves, and uh, they try to pay, pay less attention to what people think of them, because when you focus too much on that, you're really not able to make the contribution uh, to yourself and to your community that you can make. Um, anyway, just a good one, to something to think about. Hey, let's move now to, to my guest today. We're going to have the whole hour today, the entire show with the Commissioner of Public Safety, Sean Tindall. And uh, we'll remind you what all he's involved with, but I want to welcome my friend Sean Tindall back to Coast View. How you doing, Sean? Doing good. How are you doing this morning, Ricky? I'm doing great. So where are you sitting right now? I'm sitting at headquarters in Jackson, Mississippi. This is the uh, Department of Public Safety headquarters that's uh, located off I-55 in Woodrow Wilson. Um, And so we get a bird's eye view of the traffic on I-55. And fortunately, it's a sunny day out there, so we don't see many wrecks happening in the the big S-curve in Jackson. Well, when people uh, when people think of the commissioner of, uh, of the Department of Public Safety that you're the commissioner of, they have a way of often just thinking about the highway patrol. And you and I do this every time we visit. But I think it's important to remind people what you have to say grace over. So remind people the various departments that report to you. Okay, goodness. Uh, sometimes I have to remind myself. Um, so obviously Mississippi Highway Patrol, uh, the Mississippi Bureau of Investigations, uh, the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics. Uh, we have the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security. 
We have the Driver Services Bureau, which issues driver's licenses and firearm permits, uh, concealed carry permits. We also have uh, the Mississippi Crime Lab that does the forensic analysis and, and all the criminal cases in the state. Uh, we also have the medical examiner's office that does autopsies and, and, and does those on suspicious deaths and murders. Um, and we have uh, the Criminal Information Center, we have Crime Stoppers, um, and we just added a year ago, the Capitol Police came over, um, and so we're over Capitol Police as well as uh, the MDOT Law Enforcement Division came over, which is now known as the Commercial Transportation Enforcement Division. Um, so we're over that. We have essentially six law enforcement agencies uh, under our purview as well as uh, these other non-law enforcement but public safety divisions that, that we oversee. and. Uh, been blessed to, to really have a great team here that uh, new leaders, I, I'll say over the two year period, um, we have 11 divisions and we have 10 new directors uh, in those divisions. And uh, and so I'm, I'm really proud of the leadership that, that we've brought in and brought up. Um, and I think we've made some real positive changes. You know, when you, you reflect on the conversations that you have had from the very beginning of your tenure there, uh, I remember those early conversations really well. You were drinking from a fire hose. Uh, you, I mean, you, you think about the, the what you had to say grace over and the importance of having a strong team. And I know that's what you were really focused on in the beginning. And we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. But how often do you reflect about your time as a senator and on the judiciary and then, uh, you know, as a prosecutor, what all you've been involved in and how it's really, it really laid a great framework for what you're doing today? Oh, absolutely. And, and sometimes I'm sitting there when, when I get introduced to speak somewhere and somebody kind of goes through the list of things that I've been able to do. And, and I, I kind of have to sit back and pause and think that I really do that. But um, it, it's all been every every step I took was a foundation to take another step up the staircase. And it's built upon each other. And, and it's given me, uh, I think, a lot of tools to be successful in this particular job, uh, the relationships, uh, the understanding, the conflict resolution that you have to deal with when you're trying to manage 16, 1700 people. Um, and, and then also dealing with local law enforcement, DAs, uh, coroners, constables, I mean, everything across the state. Um, it, it really has benefited me tremendously, those different jobs that, I, that I've had in public service um, to, to be able to you know, resolve those conflicts, find problems, and identify solutions. And so, and that's really what I've tried to bring to the team here. And I tell them all the time when we meet, I'm not gonna get mad if we make a mistake. I'm not gonna get mad if something's wrong. What, what's gonna upset me is when we don't see a problem, we don't try to find a solution for it. And so, um, and, and I just think, again, the lifetime of experience I've had in those other places has really um, brought me a lot of perspective and, and allowed me to not lose my temper. I'm not an angry type person, but, but somebody that's more focused on the solution rather than the blame games that we often see in some leaders. Yeah, I used to say in my media leadership roles that when the going gets tough, the tough get calm. Yeah. You know, yeah, I really never had much respect for people who lost their cool. Because that's not that's not what good leadership's all about. I mean, the the tougher the situation, the more in control you need to at least appear. <laughs> you may be you may be torn torn up on the inside because of the situation that you're facing. But you know, experience and wisdom, you know, and 
uh, a sense of confidence, you know, a confidence in what you know and what you don't know. You know, I mean, you, you have to be willing to put your faults and your strengths on the table. And I used to say, actually, that the day my faults outweighed my weakness, uh, outweighed my strengths, I was going to move on to do something else. But, you know, you have to be willing to be vulnerable as a leader, don't you? You do. And, and look, it, it doesn't just happen. Um, uh, you know, I, I talk to some young people and it's like they want to they want to skip all the processes and get to the the, the, the the top of the ladder. And and the reality is, if I tried to take this job 10 or 15 years ago, I would have been grossly ill-prepared to, to face the challenges. And so uh, even going back to when I did Leadership Gulf Coast, uh, the opportunity to learn more about the Gulf Coast, to, to learn more about leadership, uh, to hear from leaders from across our state, I mean, doing those types of things prepare you for those next steps. So, you know, for any of the young folks that are listening, young young people that want to be leaders or, or people in, maybe in midlife and you decide, I want to be a leader in the community, don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to run for something or put me at the top. Go get involved with your local Rotary Club, your business club, your go, go, go to be a part of leadership, Gulf Coast, join the chamber, learn about leadership in those smaller settings sharpen your knife, if you will, so that you can make those big cuts later. And so um, it's really, I, I feel like it's been a good process for me to to start off small, working at the DA's office, uh, coaching Little League baseball games and, and basketball, and, and then get involved with the Gulf Coast. Uh, I was a president of the Gulf, Gulfport Business Club and, and then took leadership Gulf Coast. And, and all those things allow me to build upon uh, experience, but also improve me as a leader. And, and I think about, again, if, if I was trying to do this job 10 or 15 years ago, it would have been a disaster. I just would not have had the skill set necessary uh, to be successful. You know, I, I, I like the way you said that. I've, in my conversations with John Harrison, uh, he talks about you got to do your reps. You know, you, if you, you can't just suddenly flex a muscle that you've never flexed before. I mean, you can't you can't decide that I'm going to go bench press 300 pounds. It, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You have to do your reps. And my dad used to tell me something. God rest his soul. He used to say that um, you cannot skip steps. Now you may you may skip steps, but eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. And the point was, you have to be willing to work your way up. You have to be willing to learn. And it's a progressive thing. And working in the community, Sean, is exactly that, that you don't decide you're going to be the chairman of the board for the Gulf Coast Business Council. I mean, you have to get involved as an active member and be work on committees. And, it, you know, you know what, what I've learned, and I talk about this every time I have the opportunity to talk to a leadership class about this subject is that a community a state like Mississippi is very complicated really when you get when you get you know when you when you start to unravel it what it takes to make a state like Mississippi run is pretty incredible actually and when we come back we'll talk about that for just a little bit i want to circle back as i mentioned about your team and see how they're doing and then we got some really important stuff some great observations of first res first responders and frontline workers that we're going to talk about but we're going to cover the waterfront we'll see you right after this break or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have my friend Sean Tyndall, who's the commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Public uh, Department of Public Safety, and uh, he lives in Gulfport. And uh, he's, uh, you know, it's always great to have someone from coastal Mississippi in a key role like, like, like the like the role that he has. Uh, when we went to break, we were talking about this, uh, the, you know, the, that these these series of experiences that Sean had prior to, to this current position really helped lay the fr- the framework and the and, and a great th- foundation for what he's doing today. And uh, it is so true, though, Sean, that. Um, that you can't skip step. That you really have to. You have to pay your dues and be willing to work hard. And at the end of the day, I think you know if you look across Mississippi, we're lucky we have so many people that have have done their reps. Because as I mentioned before, we went to break. You know, coastal Mississippi is complicated. You had all these different communities, and you got counties involved, and it's it's uh, you know it's complex. It's diverse. It's uh, it's you know we, we uh, when we when we're so much better of, of coming together when there's an issue that that involves all of coastal Mississippi, and if 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 Fofo has an issue that's important to him, we're much better at having people like Billy and others support Fofo in his issue, and they you know they're so they can work together simultaneously and also be competitive at the same time. That's the reality. But at the end of the day, what you've learned about what it takes to make the Miss, Mississippi tick. It's pretty darn complicated, isn't it, buddy? It is. Look, it's a big state, and and there's there's a lot of moving parts, and it's something that, uh, while it might be a big issue on the coast, could be totally different in Tupelo, and and what we think is important down there, they're going to have a different viewpoint in Jackson, and so um, keeping it all moving is is really amazing to watch. Um, but, but I will say, you know, of course, being being a coast guy and living there my whole life, it's it, it is the it's the most special place in the world, and I can't imagine ever living anywhere else. I mean, it, it, it's home, um, and with all its faults, it, it brings uh, just a tremendous amount of greatness in my mind. And, and the happiest day I have is, is when I return, you know, coming down Cowan Rain Road and take a left on ninety uh, to head towards my house. So. Hey, this time of year, I spent a lot of time up in the Mississippi Delta and just thinking of that that uh, commute that you have to get home on the weekends with your family and sometimes hopefully more than that. Uh, boy, having Highway 49 finished, woo, that's a big <laughs> that's a deal, miracle. isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's greatness in and of itself. And, you know, and that's an example, Brad White coming in and, and pushing that across the finish line. Um, you know, that's great for our state. And, and look, there are, I, I encourage everybody, um, and it's one of the great things of being in the Senate. The first time I'd really gone to the capitals when I'd gotten elected or just before I got sworn in, uh, Mayor Hughes, who was the, the senator at the time for District 49, brought me up there and introduced me to some folks and walked around the capitol. And, and you know, being in the legislature, I, I developed friendships with folks across the state. And then there are so many great places in Mississippi. And I encourage everybody, take your children and travel the state, go to the Delta, check out the museums, go to to Pickwick up in northeast part of the state and enjoy the lake up there. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And they have bald eagles flying around and, you know, go down to Meridian and check out the museums, go to the Neshoba County Fair. There, there's so many great things to see across the state and great people. And, and and really, our state leaders are doing a really, really good job, I think, of making things tick. It's, it's really been uh 
been been a blessing and it's a blessing to be here i mean the department of public safety we have a lot of really good i think leaders uh in in significant roles um, we look at you know driver services keith davis has done a great job there um you know he's he was former chief at moss point head of the uh marine patrol for dmr uh, he, and we've got a lieutenant colonel uh or i'm sorry um or we got colonel ginn at highway patrol uh, that's done a great job there lieutenant colonel uh, at MBI now is Charles Haynes, a real young guy that's brought a lot of vision. Um, and so I, I look at our leadership team and in the broad spectrum we have just from across the state uh, and the diversity that that brings, it, it's really been uh, really been a good team we've been able to put together here. Yeah, I was curious about that, and you answered the question about your team. You know, I bet, you know, everyone I talk to, I don't care what kind of business they're in, tourism business, it could be, could be, you know, Mississippi Power, Ingalls, it doesn't matter. You name the business. Hiring and, and retaining still a challenge. How's your team doing with handling? I mean, this is not a, a, a problem they created. It, it's certainly created by the, you know, un, un, what I used to say or the way I talk about it is unpriming the pump as a result of the pandemic and getting it back primed again. I think no one imagined that it would be so difficult. What's, what's the latest there? Well, I can tell you, I mean, one thing that we try to do is find and hire talent. And, and when you do that, you, of course, you run the risk that after a certain amount of time, um, somebody might come and, and offer that person a better job or another opportunity. And, and, and what I've tried to tell my folks is I, I want you to be here as long as you want to be here. If you've got family or if this is where your passion is and you want to stay great, we want you here. Um, and I want you to keep that enthusiasm. But if you get an opportunity to go do something bigger and better, I, I, like, I want you to explore that opportunity as well. So I don't hire people or bring people in or promote people with the fear that I might lose them. Um, I think they make our organization better. They put their footprint on on it while they're here, and, and then they go and explore other opportunities. And, and then we'll, to, to take the old adage, uh, I think it was Alabama that they talked about, they, they don't uh, replace, they just reload. And uh, and, th and that's what we, we try to do here at DPS. We, we reload when we, uh, we lose somebody and we, we put somebody else in that we feel like is going to do a great job. Um, I, Zig Ziglar once said that if you help people get what they want out of life, you'll get what you want out of life. And I used to say as a leader, as a leader who has pride in your team, it's some, it's, it's the hardest thing to do, but it's the most important thing to do. And that is let people go, let yeah. them, let them have aspirations, know what their goals are in fact, and then help develop them. So they can reach their goal, and oftentimes it may be it may be moving inside your organization, or it may be mean they move outside your organization. But if you get a reputation for bringing bright people in and giving them opportunities, training them, and ha helping them achieve their goals, you got a better chance of of attracting the best and brightest. And you you know you say that with confidence, but you know it works, don't you? Absolutely. And look, I'm a Southern Miss guy, Southern Miss grad, and that's kind of been our our mantra at Southern Miss for, for decades, you know, and, and, and so uh, that little chip on the shoulder and, and we, we bring talent in and we try to exceed expectations. And, and so I guess that was ingrained on me in my college years and, and something that I've, I've always carried with me. And, and There's no doubt. So what's the latest in terms of openings within the various departments of, of Department of Public Safety? Well, I can tell you right now that really the only uh, opening that we have uh, vacant is at the Mississippi Law Enforcement Officers Training Academy, where, where uh, we've 
been looking at some potential candidates for a new director there. Uh, it's so critically important in, in this time that we we have really good training for our law enforcement officers, um, and and I want the state. Uh, training academy for law enforcement to be the pinnacle of it in our state. So I'm really trying to find that dynamic leader uh, that that is uh, well thought, on, not just on the physical components of being in law enforcement, but what it takes uh, from the mental aspect and, and and you know training them to be prepared for all the things that they're going to face out in the field today. So that's probably the biggest vacancy um, that that we have right now. And, and for me, I. I, I become very resolved with, I'm not just going to fill it. Um, I, I want to make sure that whoever we put in there uh, is somebody that I have immense confidence in because it's that important uh, that we have the, the right the right people in that position. Yeah, I know that's, uh, that's got to be, it's, it's got to be such a key position, man. I mean, it's the, the, the role that person plays, not only in terms of, of making sure you have the best people out on the streets or however they're, however they're doing their jobs, but also that we're that you're staying on the cutting edge. That you're making sure that you know the, the latest is being implemented inside your inside your organization. And uh, wow, a very important position for sure. Absolutely, and, and and I can tell you, and one of the things with this job that I've been impressed with since I've gotten here, and I've been impressed with our state, and I'm really really proud of Mississippi. Um, thinking back to when I came into office, uh, we had protests across the state protesting law enforcement. Um, and, and our officers across the state just did an unbelievable job of protecting the rights of those individuals that wanted to protest, but also ensuring the safety of their communities during those protests. And that's why you really didn't see incidences like we saw in other states where the riots got out of control, the protests got out of control, or people were just abused the protesters were and, and I just think our law enforcement did, did such an excellent job that goes back I think to the community-based law enforcement that we have um, the, the in Mississippi in particular you, you see departments where the, the police departments and the sheriff's departments and the in the state law enforcement the makeup of those divisions match their communities and, and that's important um, and, and I think it says a lot about the training that we do and, and, and the leadership that we have in law enforcement in our state. So I've, I've been really proud um, to be a, a voice with that and I'm proud of the law enforcement uh, that we have and again going back to the law enforcement officers training academy wanting to make sure that we stay on the cutting edge of that. Um, you know we recently there's been talk of, of teachers that have enhanced carry permits, being able to carry firearms in their schools um, in order to protect children at those schools. We're trying to come up with training programs for those teachers uh, to make sure they're prepared. And, and so it's constantly something that has to be evolving uh, and that we have to work with leaders on. Well, when we come back, I want to talk about the recent Jackson water crisis. Uh, you know, um, you know, disasters come in different forms, you know, and they, but they all require some sort of response. And I bet the Department of Public Safety had a huge response as it relates to that. So when we come back, we'll talk about that and then we'll move on to uh, the special event that's coming up. Uh, we'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a conversation with uh, Commissioner Sean Tindall. He's over the Department of Public Safety in the state of Mississippi that has many, many, many departments that are extraordinarily important to our safety and welfare in this in the state. Hey, you know, Sean, when we went to break, one of the things I was thinking, and I wanted to, I just wanted to reflect on it for just a second. When this sort of anti-police thing was happening um, within the past couple of years, you know, I thought at the time that the pendulum has swung way too far in 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 that direction, and you saw the you know the defunding efforts and all of that. But during during that crisis, this is the thing that I really want to reflect about. In my conversations with with fire, excuse me, with with police department chiefs of police departments here along the coast, in my conversations with you and others that had statewide responsibilities. You guys didn't lose your cool about it. I think it may be in the in in your own minds you realize that you know the pendulum has swung too far and it's going to swing back. But but the most important thing that we can do is we're going to first of all we're going to put an emphasis on diversity which you guys have done. Second, we're going to make sure that we're staying in touch with the community. You talked about it a second ago this community-based policing. You know, you, you've got to you've got to be in touch with the community and you can't overreact to situations. You got to be calm and well-trained and um and you knew that eventually this was all going to settle out, but you know, look back on that. Mississippi didn't have those issues that you mentioned in re, in response to or reaction to the to the protests that were taking place. Uh, we didn't have major issues related to this throughout this entire continuum of of, of a problem, and I think it's because we we've, we've had you know we've had our moments, but at the end of the day, there's a pretty damn good relationship between the the police community and and the community, and uh, we can always improve, we can always do better, but I think because we had a history in that regard, uh, you know we we were able to kind of stay the course, and the pendulum did swing back. And we saw America beginning to pay more attention to, gosh, the last thing we need to do is defund police. I mean, that, that's just a terrible, uh, that's a terrible trend, and there's no good that's going to come from that. Um, anyway, I think we, I think we stayed, we stayed, the, we stayed the uh, the uh, the journey pretty pretty well, and uh, we set ourselves up to be fairly successful. What, what do you think about all that? I do. I mean, I really do. And, and of course, Mississippi has a, a, a very troubled past when it, when it comes to certain aspects. But, um, you know, I think you look at where we are as a state now, um, the, some of the changes that have been made, you, you know, it, it really, I think more and more and more you look around and, and our uh, state government, our police uh, reflects the communities which they represent. And I will say the pendulum did swing too far. And there was probably times when there wasn't enough accountability in law enforcement agencies. And, and that's really one thing that I've tried to bring to the Department of Public Safety. And I know other leaders in law enforcement have, have sheriffs and police chiefs. We're trying to create a culture of accountability. And, and when, when somebody does something wrong or maybe they just have a bad day, that's okay, but there's gotta be accountability with it. Those things are gonna happen, but you gotta keep the steady hand. You gotta fight through it. You gotta bear through it as an agency, but you gotta have accountability because if you allow those things to slide on a law enforcement perspective. If you allow officers to do wrong things, then those things are going to fester and they're going to grow and they're going to become much, much bigger problems. So creating that culture of accountability 
uh, I think is also important and transparency. Uh, the public, if you act like you have something to hide, they're going to think you're trying to hide something. And so we've really tried to be more transparent uh, with our investigations. Uh, we've tried to hold uh, officers accountable when they do mess up. Um, and, and I think the public in response uh, has a lot more faith in the law enforcement uh, here in our state. And, and we're going to continue to try to improve on those things. And 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 to be clear, you're right. Mississippi had a had a dark history in this regard. And what I speak to is the immediate the immediate uh, time frame preceding when the pendulum swung, because Mississippi had learned a lot. Again, there are always going to be exceptions to the rule, but we you know we we're not going to define how we how you guys address the community and how you protect the community based on single events. It, it, it is how you create accountability though around those events that, that really set the stage for being able to be respected and able to, you know, sort of keep the peace, so to speak. Um, and you've done a really good job at that. Hey, listen, uh, we just celebrated this, the 17th anniversary of Katrina. It's amazing to me to think back. It's been 17 years. Coast is definitely bigger and better as a result. If you look at the aftermath of, of, of Hurricane Katrina, you know, the way that so many organizations, state agencies, federal agencies, uh, you know, uh, volunteer organizations and nonprofits came together to help us rebuild. The recent water crisis in Jackson is certainly not Hurricane Katrina, but to, to a lot of people's lives, water is this is so darn important. It, it's like the aftermath, really, for a lot of those people, it's like the aftermath of a Katrina, if you didn't have your house, uh, you know, uh, taken down, we 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 had to boil water. In some cases, we didn't have water, but it affected a lot of people, and it meant all hands on deck during that that time. Tell me about sort of your role and your department's role during this crisis. So you know, obviously, uh, water is important, and and having running water in your house, even when there's a boil water notice, the ability to take a shower or use. Uh, the bathroom, um, all those things are required and you can boil your water and, and, and use the water uh, for consumption. But uh, recently there was no water pressure. And so really you, you think about the businesses, the people that live here, uh, there, there's five colleges uh, in the capital improvement district alone. Plus you got all of your state government. Um, and so those things started to shut down. We really have some, some dire issues, not to mention the humanitarian crisis uh, that it can create. So getting water here and getting it out uh, was extremely important. Uh, we uh, we worked with MEMA. MEMA took a very, you know, they're, they're trained in this. This is what they do uh, is developing those response. Governor Reeves with his leadership called his team together and and we were able, they were able to find uh, some temporary solutions to get the pressure back up. So really proud that that we're back in the office working, that those the pressure's there, and, and I'm confident in the days to come that they will be working towards having clean water. And so, uh, but it is impressive. I mean, I know Gulfport uh, sent up a, a tractor trailer full of water. Uh, other parts of the state and country sent water. And, and, and again, that's one thing I love about Mississippi. When there's a crisis, we all come together and try to help. It's ingrained in us to help our neighbors. And, and that's really uh, the most impressive thing. When, when I see folks from other parts of the state or the South saying, hey, we wanna help. And then on the same token, it's equally frustrating when you see fractions from particularly outside of our state that try to use it to create friction and divide when, when yeah. we're really here trying to help each other. Well, as a former publisher, my, my view, and I've studied, I've studied the, the coverage of this event, 
And, uh, you know, some, some, some media were really, really too quick to try to dig up all the historical perspective and try to place blame and try to put race at the center of this. I mean, and my point is that there's going to be a lot of time to uh, think about how we got here. Okay. There, I mean, there, there, Jackson is not unlike most major cities where there's been people moving out of the downtown areas and creating significant problems for, for the city limits of a, of a city. And so this is a problem that, that that Jackson has, and many other many other cities across America have. The, again, there'll be time to sort through that. What what I hate about doing stories like that so quickly is that it creates a narrative that people, national press, want to attach to, and they want to come down and and, and prove that everyone in Mississippi is racist, and that and that this is just a continuation of that. And, uh, you know, after Katrina, that, that happened after Katrina to some extent. I mean, I, I could tell you great stories of conflict I had with reporters that came down to talk about the race component of, of Hurricane Katrina. Oftentimes they were terribly wrong. In some cases they might have been right. But they tried to put what was happening in New Orleans on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and those were two separate disasters. Um, so I was really disappointed to see that, and as a result, you saw a lot of attention from the national media, and the, and the nature of their questions were such that they were trying to get to a narrative. What I was really pleased to see, really pleased to see, when you especially consider the the, the conflict between the mayor and the, and the governor uh, over, that took place over a long time period of time. This is not something that just festered up. This has been going on for a long time for a lot of some good reasons, not some not so good reasons. Again, we'll have time to think about that. But when they can come together in a press conference and focus on solutions for the city, and we hopefully we can stay. I felt a little bit like it was kind of a, a Katrina moment for this problem. You know that people were coming together and saying, "Okay, look, let's don't try to place blame. Let's don't point fingers at one another. Let's figure out what the immediate solution needs to be, and then we'll find intermediate solutions, and so we'll find the ultimate solution before it's all said and done." But man, pointing fingers right off the bat—that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help solve anything. It puts people on the defensive. It's not good for Mississippi. It creates narratives for Mississippi. And in my view, it's not the kind of reporting you need in the short term. And unfortunately, we saw too many people jump on that, and that—that that was a sad part of this of this problem. That's right. And, and they did. And look, I'll say this. I mean, Jackson is unique. I know some people might feel like that shouldn't be done for Jackson. The state shouldn't help step in and help Jackson. But but the state has stepped in and helped the coast when there was a need. Yes, uh, when is. there's a failing school district, the state has stepped in and helped those school districts get right because those are basic services that needed to be provided. And, and that's what we have here is the state stepping in, trying to help and, and really Let's focus on the solution. We can play the blame game later, but, but let's yeah. get this shit right. It was a, it was kind of a, again, kind of a Katrina moment for the leaders engaged. And um, you know, in our case, we sort of deferred to Haley Barber to help us, you know, help us develop a plan, and and we all worked together on that. And with Democrats and Republicans working together, you know, Jim Barksdale, I mean, come on, man, Major League Democrat, uh, you know, as the chairman of the of the Governor's Commission. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Sean Tindall. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a terrific conversation with my friend Sean Tindall, who's the Commissioner of Public Safety for the state of Mississippi. And, you know, Sean, it's always interesting to visit with you because I never know where the conversation is going to go. But, uh, you know, the last conversation we had about the city of Jackson and the challenges that they had. 
um, you know, at the end of the day, it may be that th- that it, this had to happen so that everybody could understand their roles and so we could once and for all find a fix for this. I know it's got to be difficult for the state to step in on a, on a local issue. And um, in this case, I think maybe, maybe, just maybe we can all work together to find the solution, much the way we did with the Governor's Commission after Hurricane Katrina, where we get a wide variety of people involved, get the experts involved, let the experts help guide us on what the best solution is going to be. And I I feel like we're moving in that direction now. So I appreciate your role in kind of helping kind of keep the peace there and all of that. Okay, so anyway, uh, listen, the first responders and frontline workers nights coming up Friday night uh, is tomorrow. Uh, tell me, tell me more about that. Well, I can tell you a year ago, uh, we had a great event in Jackson. Uh, the Mississippi Braves were playing on the weekend of 9-11, and we thought what a great time to to not only remember uh, those that died on 9-11 and, and, and those that, particularly the first responders that, that, you know, put it all on the line and sacrificed their lives um, to try to help uh, the people in New York City, um, you know, remember them but also to bring our first responders together and have a moment where we say thank you. And so uh, we did that last year at the Braves game. Uh, we had a, it was a beautiful night. It was cool, uh, cool breeze in the air. Sun was beautiful. We had a flyover um, and, and it really uh, opened the doors up for, for all the first responders to come and, and their families. And we wanted to do something like that on the coast this year. And it just happened to work out that the, the Shuckers are playing the Braves and, and the Shuckers and, and their folks were just really excited about it. They were already planning to have a night first responders. And so we wanted to buy in and help with it, promote it. And, and I want to encourage everybody to come to the game Friday. It's an opportunity to say thank you to first responders um, and, and all that they've uh, sacrificed day in and day out. And uh, it's also an opportunity to come together with 9-11 coming up on Monday uh, and, and remember those that died on that day um, and, and give them uh, you know, that moment. And, and it's really, uh, again, going back to law enforcement in Mississippi and our first responders, I, I just, every day I'm humbled. Um, I'm, I'm proud uh, to be a leader uh, in the law enforcement arena. And and I feel like this is a way that our, our folks are saying thank you for uh, what you do. And, and we want you to come out and enjoy the ball game with your family and take that time off because being a first responder and a frontline worker, the job never sleeps. And and, and it, you never know when you're going to get that call. So we want them to come out and enjoy the evening and enjoy some uh, baseball America's pastime. And, and we're glad to be a part of it. And, and really, um, we, we've given tickets out, I think, and, and the Shuggers have given tickets out to all the local agencies. Um, if you want to get a ticket, you can contact DPS and we can get you one. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a great event again, except this time it's going to be on the coast. And hopefully I'm going to get the chance throughout the first pitch and I can hit the strike zone. So, <laughs> Hey, good for you. Hey, you know, you mentioned that you guys had a flyover in Jackson, but now you've got Keesley Air Force Base engaged here. That's awesome. And you're going to have a post-game fireworks display. But, you know, just having everybody together and having the general public also there. Um, it'd be great to fill that stadium up and number one, have a great uh, ball game, but also, and it uh, just so happens is the Biloxi Shuckers against the, you know, the Mississippi Braves, which is a great interstate rivalry there, but, uh, but also an opportunity to celebrate first responders and hopefully the weather's going to be terrific and um, you have a, have a a full stadium. That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Oh, it's going to be a great time. And, and, and again, uh, it's a, Baseball. I mean, I can't think of anything better than baseball, and and then spending time with with folks that put it on the line for for our citizens each and every day. And and so, 
Um, it's going to be a great event. Uh, we're very, very, very excited about it. Want to encourage everybody to come out. And you know, I think it's part of. And I tell our folks at DPS, our law enforcement, I really want you to be involved with your community, and, and I want you to go coach football, and I want you to coach little league and basketball, uh, because that interaction with law enforcement, particularly with young people, is important early on. Because I don't want their first interaction with a law enforcement officer to be on the side of a road when they're making a traffic stop. It needs to be sooner. And, and this is an opportunity for folks to bring their families and, and sit with law enforcement and share a hot dog and, and talk about talk about our great country and, and, and all the good things that we have going on in our state. And, and then watch, watch a great baseball game. <laughs> no doubt. Anything else you want to say about Friday night? So it's Friday. It's, it's tomorrow night. September the 9th, of course, six uh, six thirty five is when the festivities start. If you if you're a first responder and you haven't already been offered a ticket, just reach out to Department of Public Safety and they'll tell you how you can get yourself a ticket. And if you're general public, just go to the game and not only enjoy a great bas- interstate uh, basketball uh, baseball game, but also an opportunity to give a standing ovation to first responders and fr- and frontline workers. That ought to be a ought to be a great night. Anything else you want to say about it? Well, I want to thank the Shuckers uh, for what they're doing. I want to thank our, our staff for doing what they did to pull it together. And um, and I want to thank the law enforcement officers and first responders and our frontline workers and, and military for all that they do. Again, it's uh, it's so impressive. And uh, Mississippi's a law enforcement state. Um, I, I think Congressman-elect uh, Mike Ezell is going to be there to help me throw out the first pitch. He's still the sheriff. Um, and so, um, you know, when we talk about Mississippi being a law enforcement state, look at the three out of the four congressmen that we have two DAs and, and, a, and now a sheriff. Uh, yeah, but, so. that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Sean Tindall, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. I look for, always look forward to our conversations. This has been a terrific conversation today. Thanks for the job you're doing and congratulate your team for a job well done as well. And good luck Friday night. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. You bet. This has been the Commissioner of Mississippi Department of Public Safety, Sean Tindall. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. You too, my friend. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.